Hello, my lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Meghan Markle's podcast review by Salty Vixen. Today's podcast, Meghan's uh, podcast is titled Beyond the Archetype Human Being. This is a review by myself, Salty Vixen. This uh, podcast, I think many of us women out there can agree with her. And so I'm going to basically do the, what I normally do in my podcast is give a summary of what she said and rebuttal it with personal experience because I did help out with Harry's charity, uh, Call Center Bali, and also because I was part of the polo girls in the polo group back in the summer of 2004. So let's begin. So Meghan Markle spoke about, um, you know, uh, of how female sexuality is much more vilified than men's and even women in their 50s can be targeted by gossip about how they were called sluts in their younger days. While men are described as players, women are mocked for their sexual behavior. And she says, as you're getting older, you're exploring and starting to understand your sensuality and female divine. But your sexuality can be very much used against you. A man is a player or out having fun or whatever he's doing. It's often celebrated and even heralded. But for a woman, I don't care if she is perhaps the most successful woman in her finance in her mid-50s. I promise you, someone will come and say, yeah, she was such a slut in college. It will stick with her. I don't understand what it is about the stigma surrounding women and their sexuality, the exploration of their sexuality that is much more vilified than for a man. And I wonder that experience, what that experience is. In addition, uh, Megan spoke to Sex and City author Candace uh, Bushell, one of my favorite authors, by the way, because I do have a, a funny story about that. Um, an outfit I did, um, it was early July of 2004 at a polo match. I had a Sex and City moment, and I'll talk about that after uh, what I wore. And there's a, there's a relation to the story. Uh, anyway, she talked to the old Sex and City author about how women are, were treated in the entertainment industry. In addition, the Duchess spoke to Sex and City author uh, in the episode. She described, uh, Megan described the characters in Sex and City uh, as iconic. You know, Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda. And then Megan, uh, as you know, Megan has complained about being treated as a bimbo when she was a briefcase girl on Deal or No Deal. Which, you know, I would understand what she's talking about. Because in the entertainment industry for women, you have to, unfortunately, you have to dress a little provocative to get apart sometimes not always but generally yes you do there's a lot of women in the entertainment industry and I know because I did uh, acting back in the day it wasn't I was a featured extra in a couple of films and I modeled and there's a whole story about my experience but a lot of women will say the same thing we've all been treated like sexual playthings, and it's not right we can't be treated for our brains so anyway, she, you know, uh, Megan went on to say, I felt, I find it so inspiring to listen to women who are clear on who they are, unwavering, not waffling, confident, in spite of whatever barriers they may have seen in the foreground. And as I thought about closing this episode, how I feel, how I could just bottle up that feeling, that inspiring feeling of liberation, when you shed all the fears of judgment and you sit in your authenticity when you allow yourself to be human and to be. And then she gave a poem quote, and where there is a woman, there is forever a way. 
truer words have never been spoken. And Megan, your episodes speak to me in so many volumes, and I will a thousand percent agree with you. So, right, time to talk about my um, experience. And I mentioned earlier, I did uh, help out with Center Bali. I was a patron for several years. I got to go to the opening of the Children's Center in Lesotho. And you know, as you know, Harry is one of the founding fathers of Center Bali. My connection with that was actually happened at a China White after party in the summer of 2004, it was in July. I was sitting at Harry's table. Yes, I know. I was connected because when you're a polo groupie, um, I became part of the polo girls at Beaufort. That's how my connection started through the people. So through Harry's mates, William and Harry's mates. And and because of that, I got invited to many things. There's so much stories that the girls back then, we don't really talk about it because honestly, many of us want to forget. And unfortunately, because of Harry's book coming out, The Spare, uh, he's opening up Pandora's box. And it's a lot of memories that a lot of us want to forget, starting to, at least with me, it's coming back very strong. And anyway, so, but th- that night, Harry did speak about, you know, his experience with his brother. They were in Lesotho. They want to start a charity, etc. And that's how Sentabali became to be. So Sentabali is essentially Harry's first child. And I mean, he did, did such a marvelous job. That's why I helped out and supported, because I said that very night. At that party, I said, when it becomes successful, I will come back and help out. And people can say words all the time, but I, at the time, I knew that I felt strongly about a charity. Uh, it was very important to me because of what this charity stood for. And so that's my connection with Santa Bali from that very night. So we were in Lesotho, and I met, um, I'm going to call him Polo Mate, because he's William, he's William and Harry's good friend. Uh, his godmother was in Lesotho, and she was telling me that he's going to be in South Africa because he's helped setting up the the uh, polo match. I said, oh, my gosh, I have not talked to him since that summer. It'd be lovely to see him. I wonder if he remembers me. It's been several years. Well, fast forward, after the opening, we all flew. See, Harry left earlier that morning. He went with his, you know, minders, I guess you call it. And I drove in a van with Nacho Figuras and uh, several other patrons, to the airport in Joburg, and we flew over, I believe it was Mago Airlines, I have to look at the itinerary, yes, I still have it, to um, uh, South Africa. And we get there that uh, evening. Um, Harry did not make it to this uh, house gathering. It's one of the, um, he's no longer part of Santa Valley, and I cannot say his name because the man, uh, I did not like him very much. He was a snake, so call him a snake. I just didn't like how he treated me. I'll be frank on that. Again, being a woman by yourself at these events, you're judged very quickly. And I did not like that. You're judged being, how are you able to get money? Beautiful women can't work for hard for their money. They have, they, they are considered sluts. That's what it is when you go to these events because beautiful women cannot earn income. Beautiful women cannot um, go to these charity events. There's always an alternative motive. Oh, they're here to meet Harry or William or whoever, or whatever celebrity is there. But I wasn't like that. I really did genuinely believe in the charity. And it was an honor being part of it. So after the snake's uh, house gathering, and by the way, the snake was bad-mouthing Harry. I will say that. I did not like that. I, uh, and I actually, I think Edward Lane Fox was there. Because when he was bad-mouthing Harry, kind of went over to this young, not young, he was you know middle-aged man, but handsome man. And him and I were talking, and he gave me his business card. So that's how, when I looked at later, I said, oh my God, that's Harry's private secretary, Ed Lane Fox. Lovely man, 
very devoted, very loyal. And I do hope Harry's not bad-mouthing uh, Mr. Fox in, in the um, in the spare. I really hope, because honestly, the man was such a loyal man. Like, I would say positive things about him all the time. It's what a good man he is. So, fast forward. The following night, we had the, uh, there was a pillow, uh, following day, there was a pillow match at the club. It was a Val de V, I think. For some reason, I remember that name. And then after that, you had a fundraising dinner, which I donated a thousand pounds equivalent of, it was, you know, in the African, uh, South African currency, but it was translated to a thousand pounds because I just wanted to help out. And then you had the, I would call it the posh after party for polo, because usually at the end of events, there's a, a gathering, a polo party, a lot of drinking happens. But at this one, it wasn't like Britain. It was not like England. It was very different, very subdued. Two women in their mid-twenties were flirting with Harry. Harry took them out in the back and they were drinking wine. There's two bottles of wine there. And I remember that. I'll tell that story in a minute. As I was uh, walking around, I happened to see the polo mate I had not seen in years. Now, when I walked in the room, he saw me. I saw him and he said, salty vexen. Oh, my gosh. It was like a ghost. He had not seen a long time. You see, here's the thing with the polo group, with the girls. You don't see them again. They were the sexual objects of that summer. You don't plan on seeing them again because you don't know, want to know about them because all they are is just a piece of, well, you know, ass for the men and I was known as a girl as I was called a prick tease that summer because I turned every single man down I was not into these polo events or these after parties and house parties for a shag in fact I was sexually assaulted the evening of the Beaufort Polo Club by a person in the group I will not say who because it's a long time ago and I don't want to mention all that you know everybody wants to forget but fast forward polo mate also was one of the people in, that was sexually assaulting and uh, was not very kind. And um, anyway, so he, I would call him a person who sucked up to William and Harry very easily. That's how we got to where he is today. He's a hard worker. So I don't want to be negative about his job because he is a very good person on that. But at the time, he was part of the group that treated women like sexual objects. And by the way, Harry, and I'm directing this towards him, just to let you know, none of your mates had rubbers on them, you know, condoms. They never did. A lot of um, shagging without a protection was going on, I will say that. And being part of the polar girls, these men expected women to perform. So the polar mate remembered everything because I turned them down. You see, we're going to go back in time. In June, we were in, um, not far from, in between Sciencester and, and Beaufort, there's a pub. Um, I, I, I jotted everything down throughout my travels in a journal. So I have to look back on it. It's in my office downstairs. I didn't want to get to it right now. Um, and the person that drove his van had ditched all of us. So because we all were drinking, there was, you know, just it was all these events, all these parties were a lot of drinking. Harry can probably agree with about that. And so the person mate and the lady friend he was with got a taxi. I kept saying, this is the hotel I need to be at. It's in Tetbury. I have to be here. I have a room. Well, they both agreed because they were worried uh, because I'm a yank, um, how much I drank. They did not know me very well, but they also didn't want to get in trouble and leave me from how much I drank. Um, I don't know how much I drank that night. I knew it was quite a lot, but it was enough to, to know what was going on. 
So we, we went to this flatmate's house. It was an old stone house that the polar mate was watching. The mate was uh, his friend, was uh, he was house sitting, was actually in Florida at the time visiting his then girlfriend, now wife. And again, I'm not revealing names just because I don't do that. And so I slept in that bed uh, and they uh, both the polar mate and the girl, uh, lady friend, got me water, was checking up on me, making sure I was okay, and even got me tea in the morning. It was quite lovely. So I was always thankful for their kindness. Now let's fast forward to the day after the Beaufort Bowl. There was a polo event, and at that very event, I'll tell you, when William played, the horse went the wrong way. That's how drunk everybody had been at the polo bowl. So hours before the polo match, we, um, after the polo uh, bowl, I know I'm kind of going everywhere, but I'm telling you the story. After the, the after a sexual assault had happened at the Beaufort Polo Bowl, and it's 2004, so such a long time ago, um, I went back to my hotel. So you remember, fast forward, I'm jumping, but this is what happened. And um, I went with my friend, a lady, and then a guy who was a polo mate was driving the car. That's how we got back. No, we got a taxi, that's right. And so the following morning, we got brunch at a pub that Harry and William would frequent at. So I knew Harry was not there, William was. He was there with, with the mates because I know he left his blue jumper at the uh, table from the front. So they came to the front and they went in the back. And also remember, Lovely was complaining about me the entire time. It, there's a whole story. I mean, I've written so many times a manuscript. I've never published it because I just, you know, want to let sleeping dogs lie. And um, after that, the polo mate drove me back to his uh, his flat where the lady, my friend, and I were changing. So here's my connection with Sex and the City. I love that show so much. And I was so shy growing up. And for years, and, and being part of the polo group, I got to be fun. I came out of my shell. And because I love Sex and the City and Carrie Bradshaw's character inspired me, I had a, a, a smoky blue trench coat on, a mini skirt from Zara, and a sweater because it was a bit chilly. And I had these white heels I bought in Kensington at a local shop, a paw shop, that you laced uh, tied up. And I actually still have those shoes, actually. The skirt, not so much anymore because I was a tiny little thing before I had children. I mean, I'm still, I still look good for my age. I'm 42 now, but, you know, before your kids, I was more in shape. Um, you know, I didn't have any body fat then. All right. So, which is quite, you know, normal for your kids, right? Um, anyway, it depends, you know, well, at least with me. So as we're changing, I'm getting dressed, a polo mate said to me, since I took care of you at my mate's uh, house, you owe me something. I said, excuse me? And he exposed his, uh, his banana to me. Let's, let's put that way. And the lady person I was with said, Polamate, you can't do that. She, you know, leave her alone. She's not going to give in to shagging, and I don't want her to be corrupted. So he said, get the fuck out. Salty, get the fuck out of my prop. Get out of here. You're not going to give in. That's what we do here. We are nice to these women. Nice to all you women. So we get something in return. I said, that's an awful way to treat women. So anyways, he, he reluctantly drove my lady friend and I to the polo match because I paid for going and uh, he was not very kind to me in the entire car and the lady friend did stick up for me. We're at the match, that's when William's name was called and Lovely broke um, the saddle there. There's, I wrote everything down, I remember how funny that was because everybody was hangover. And um, I just, 
was perplexed by the way Pelume was had treated me. I thought, well, he's being kind to me. I didn't know you had to give sexual favors in return. I felt that appalling. And, many, and you women out there would find the same way. It was very appalling how us women were treated at these matches. Well, I went to go, wanted to go talk to him, and he was talking to Kate Middleton at the time. Yes, William and Kate were dating, but the world did not know about it back then. The group knew, and it was kind of kept a secret because, again, there's more layers to the story that I'm not going to talk about that has to do with William because he was dating, or you know, he was, had recently dated someone else and broke that woman's heart when he met Kate at St. Andrews. So there's always, you know, there's stories within stories within stories. And I don't want to ruin reputation. So it was a long time ago. But when I was going to talk to him, the mate, I hear him say to Kate, don't talk to that prick tease. That's what he said to her. And she was a little miffed because she didn't know who I was. Because I, that night at Pillow uh, Ball, I was sitting at the table with William and, and Kate and the person who had sexually assaulted me. So it was not William I'm saying it, you know, the person was part of the group. And it's because Lovely was being complete arse to me. And he made Lovely apologize to me. That's how I got invited to at the table at the polo match. Uh, sorry, polo ball. And I want to say that, you know, William and Harry are such lovely people. They don't, the, the media makes them out to be untouchables. But when you're part of a group, they're just like hanging out with anyone else. They're pretty lovely people. So I don't really talk bad about this. They're mates. And honestly, William and Harry had no idea the way their mates were treating women. Because they, the, the mates did not give a, uh, how should I put this, a full story. And one of the mates, part of the group, did tell me that, the, this is how he, he was uh, chatting me up. He said, oh, well, we like to interview the women, make sure they're good uh, snog and shag before we let them in the group with the women Harry. I know that that man was joking, but again, there's a lot of people involved. And um, again, a long time ago. So fast forward, now we're in South Africa, and uh, he remembered everything, and I remembered everything. Him and I exchanged email addresses, and um, I did write to him, and he did apologize about how his behavior had been, and that was it. So my story is, you know, it is true. What Megan has said is very true, that women are treated a certain way, especially when you're an intellectual. You, you know, you have a, a, a university or college degree, depending where you live in the world, Um and you do get mocked. And in this case, if you don't give in, where I was back in the day, if you don't give in to sexual favors, you are blacklisted, called a prick tease, et cetera. Um, I, was black, I was blacklisted by William and Harry's mates because I did not give in to Shaggy in that whole summer. I turned every single one of them down. Again, not William, I'm not talking about William and Harry. I'm talking about their mates. Because the person I did fancy, he was with a different woman every single polo match party after party and that's he was the only one I fancied and everybody in the circle knew I did in fact whenever I would see you know William and Harry over the years of course I haven't seen them since 2016 but when I did um I would remind them I would have brought up that yes I did fancy lovely and they said oh my god you were the one it's I, and I would tell them, I, I, mean, I remember telling Harry at uh, Lesotho, the opening of the Children's Center, we were at the, there was a buffet at the uh, dinner. Um, it was a buffet and it called by table. So my table was uh, diagonally across from where Harry was sitting because I was sitting with the co-founder's um, wife's nanny, the children's nanny, a lovely woman. And so, you know, we're all connected to some degree um, because I was I'm friends with the co-founder's wife. I was at the time. It's been years. But... Um, 
when our tables were called, Harry was uh, right two people in front of me. And then the person in between kind of left a line for a second. And I remember touching Harry's shoulder. And I said, oh, do you remember this and this? And he remembered certain things. I would tell memories. I said, you know, I fancy Lovely. And by the way, Lovely is the most, uh, he's the best poser player in the world. And I always will say that because even though things are in the past and I was hurt by a lot of people, I always will say Lovely is a good person because he is. So, yes, in closing of Salty Vixen Review, um, I want to say this. I s- remember I said earlier in a previous podcast reviews, Meghan Marco has a lovely platform and I think it's good. And as time goes on, she's going to be speaking to you and I, the people. Um, and it's great she has celebrity uh, people on there. And I think it's lovely. But I do hope in the, p- in the future, she has normal people like you and I. Now, I do want to say one more thing. And this is directed towards uh, Harry's mates. It was wrong how they treated women, treated us like sexual objects, expecting a sexual favor. They did not think about the future, how it would affect people. And when I showed up to Santa Bali, I was like a ghost to everybody because they thought, well, the women, they come and go and they're gone. But they did underestimate somebody who was very strong and beautiful and with a good heart and good mind. I took all their hurt and anger and gave back and helped out with charities. I chose Santa Bali because of what it stood for. Do you know, the Soto especially, women get raped a lot. And rape happens everywhere. And I know that they were trying to teach women to say no. Do you know the, the condoms? They were washing them and hanging them on lines, clotheslines, and reusing them. Because uh, sexual education is not taught properly there at the time, you know. And all I could think about, why I helped out with Sandabali, so women could speak up more. You see, when you're sexually assaulted by the peddler group, you can't tell anybody who'd believe you. So what? Because they're rich and famous and you're nobody. They don't care about who you are. In closing, I will say this. When I first met Lovely, he's the one who got me uh, introduced to everybody. First thing he said to me in June was, what do you do as a profession? Well, I said, well, I work in Parliament. You know, I'm an intern. He yawned and went to another woman who had big boobies. I'll never forget that. Who was drunk and smoking uh, cigarettes. And you know, the, you know the British terminology for cigarette, right? The slang. I'm not going to say it, but yes. And I, I, because it's going to hurt, because I had a big, I fancied him so much at the time. I said, oh, by the way, I used to model. He goes, he comes over to me, he goes, oh, really? So what do you model? And it's true, I did use a model back in the day. Nothing famous, just logo stuff. Well, they told me what kind of person that they did not care that I had a brain or not, because all I was was a piece of ass for them. And that pissed me off so much. In closing, last time I saw the Polo Gang was in 2016 at Beaufort. I came for a Polo Charity match to support the club. The person who sexually assaulted me was there. I saw him. He saw me. It was like I felt sick and disgusting. I've never shared my story about the details because it's very personal. But maybe I will in another podcast. We'll see. Because... You know, my final thing to say is this is going on for 24 minutes, and I'm sure if you've gotten this far, 
Speak up. Speak up. Like Megan had said, how I could just bottle up the feeling and inspiring the that inspiring feeling of liberation when you shed all these fears of judgment and you allow yourself to be a human and to be. Megan's absolutely correct. Megan, in a way, has spoke to me, her words, her podcast, for me to speak up more. I've been holding back because people thought they could take advantage of me. That's what happens to the quiet, introverted women, right? Sexual object, take advantage. They're not going to say anything. Be quiet, salty, don't say a word. I'm not afraid to say anymore. Anyways, my closing for Salty Vixen's review of the Archetypes podcast is this was my favorite one. And I hope to hear more. And I'm not trying to be negative about Megan at all. In fact, I'm very positive. I just think that she's finding her voice. We're all finding our voices. All right, my lovelies. Have a lovely day. And stay happy. Goodbye.